Hello, you precious, little, fragile, fleeting mortals. You Welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast, your creatively conscious mortality podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, this is your place to listen to people talking about things that make me cry. <laughs> That's probably like the thing we're holding up against the 4 billion other people that started a podcast during the pandemic. We're the podcast where... Uh, there's a lot of crying, actually, that happens in every episode. Uh, there at least some crying in every episode, I'd say, almost. Uh, and so you're getting that here. So if you're you're kind of needing someone else to lubricate your heart, um, to open you up, I, I can promise that 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 can happen here for you. Um, and also, there's a lot of other wonderful stuff going on. You know, wonderful music, uh, wise and experienced human beings sharing about their own mortal experience, like an offering in a way that might help us in our lives. It is the most intimate version of what we offer with our organization, I'd say. Like two people in conversation being raw and wholly, fully real with one another and visible and um, somehow maybe giving you a little more connectedness to uh, to yourself, but actually, you know, connectedness to others, like a remembering that you're not alone. And then, you know, familiarity with your, your mortality a little bit or the edge, the things that are hard, the darkest parts of being mortal, um, being with those in a way that highlights the, the lighter parts, deepens and enriches our, our living, our aliveness. You know, this is the most grandiose version of what I hope is possible um, for your listening experience today here. And I don't think I said it already. My name is Ned Buskirk. I'm your creatively conscious mortality host. Uh, and I'm real glad to be here. I just came out of a workshop. And so I was like, you know what? I want to do this now. And what I want to do this now for is to articulate the too muchness of life and how often so many places, um, the way we feel like too much, we don't think we belong. We can't bring it anywhere. And I think what I keep getting to prove with community in the spaces I facilitate, the events we curate and create, um, the programmings we offer with our nonprofit is this reminder that there is a place to bring your too muchness. And like one participant in one of our grief workshops said, we are a too much club. And I do believe that not everybody can be with how much we are, but I am a person who can be with how much we are. Like I'm, I'm an example of, of community that's out there willing and able and not afraid to receive the too muchness as I too am too muchness. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's like maybe in a way we could shed the like idea that we're too much at all, that this is like, and should be a normal way of being with each other. Um, but I think in contrast to decades, generations, 
cultural influences, cultural impact. It, it is work to find the place to bring our too muchness. And, and like last night's grief and healing workshop, one of the participants was talking about Francis Weller's work. If you haven't checked out Francis Weller's book, The Wild Edge of Sorrow, I highly recommend it. That book really influenced our our grief and healing workshop space, really, really uh, in the beginning, creating creating that workshop when we first did it. Francis Weller's work really, really helped me with that. But someone was talking about Francis Weller last night, and the quote that they they mentioned of his, and I'm paraphrasing their paraphrase, but it but it's it's in response to this idea that if we go there, it'll be too much. We'll cry too much. It'll all be too much. And we'll be swept away by our own like grief. And Francis Weller says, you know, in response to this, if I go there, I won't come back. He says, no, if you don't go there, you won't come back. Like you're already in a place where you need to come back from. And like our crying and our grief and our being visible and emoting and opening our hearts, especially with community, is a way to do that. So that's the thing I want to say in a way that connects to this guest here. I listened to this interview, the edit that we have for you, and it was so lovely to be with it. I kind of wonder with our podcast, I guess there is a version of, well, when you have a guest, are they talking about what they do at all in the world? Because there is a way that that happens. It does happen in this conversation, but there's also a lot of of Susan, this episode's guest, just sharing her, her own personal experience. And I love that about this conversation. And it does connect to her work and her yoga and her, her offering in the world in that way. And, but I think it's, it's almost like potently more powerful. I wonder about that. You know, when you say, hey, people ask me to be on a podcast or do an interview about you're going to die. My feeling is that me talking endlessly about you're going to die doesn't really like give people the thing. It's actually me talking from the heart, you know, sharing from who I am in the world, you know, and vulnerably, honestly. And then people would say, oh, I recognize something there. Like you'll recognize in Susan, maybe you'll say, yeah, that's, that's something that, that I connect to, or I see myself there or more please. And then you can go to Susan's website and find out all the stuff you can read anywhere or the other interview where she talks at length about her, her programming. But in this podcast, I think often we just get to be like with the human beings behind the work or leading the work. And this episode's a really strong example of that. So Susan Marufo left the United States and a job in advertising in 2008 to travel internationally and experience life beyond the confines of her cultural conditioning. She received her first 500-hour yoga certification in Thailand in 2009, where she began her studies of the classical yogic scriptures and delved deeply into esoteric tantric philosophy. After years of teaching month-long tantric-based courses on the banks of the Ganges in India and the Pacific coastal towns of Mexico, Susan returned to the United States to begin a residential internship with the Kripalu School of Yoga. She taught in and project managed several Kripalu yoga teacher trainings, as well as received her second 500-hour teacher training certification from the Kripalu School of Yoga in 2013. She's since split her time between India, Thailand, and the United States, facilitating group courses in the inquiry of yoga, 
meditation, intimacy, and shadow work before moving to Los Angeles in 2016 to open Samarasa Center, an online and in-person community of dedicated seekers. You will find the website for Samarasa Center and all of Susan's work through the show notes. We'll link you up. Definitely check out Yoga, Sex, and Death. That's trademarked. Samarasa has a bunch of information about that programming on the website. But let's just get to the conversation because I cannot tell you how many times I recorded that information just now. Holy smokes, I made it through. So I hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Susan Marufo. Okay, well, I will get into get into that. And first, I want to say what's like just really alive for me right now, which is, you know, when I first, it's been an emotional morning. It's yes. been an emotional day. And, and when I got into this space on the joined you in zoom um you know i had the thoughts like okay we have a podcast today and get ready to kind of say the things and you know and i immediately felt just the the presence and the genuineness that you that you were bringing from that first you know when i made that sound and you were like (laughs) yeah yeah yes Um, thanks for bringing us back to that yeah I felt like I could just be really honest and it's a space where I can drop in immediately. Mm. Uh, so that feels really good. And I just want to name it and acknowledge it. It feels, I feel like, um, safe and good. So, good. Uh, that's important That is because important. I feel like this morning has been a lot about death, but you know, I look at death just like you said, it's grief. Like it doesn't have to be the traditional concept of death, like the death in the physical body, but just the grieving of, of life, not being the way you want it. Mm. Um, the grieving of just things changing and really never having any, having any ground to stand on ever. There's no ground because everything is temporary and you want to hold on. I want to hold on. And, um, there's no holding on ever. So it's a constant, it's a constant in every moment. There's just something to let go of. Mm. And I think a lot of us try to keep ourselves busy, or at least I'll speak for myself. I, I try to keep myself busy and distract from, from that underlying fuck, we're all going to die. And earlier today, I was having a conversation with my cousin about my parents and her parents and, you know, how it's tough watching them. My parents are still alive and they are getting, they are getting old and their bodies are deteriorating. And I was with them last month and it's very uncomfortable for me. You know, it's not even, it's like, I'm going to be real honest. I I think a lot of, a lot of, you know, the, it's like masquerading as care for them or, um, but really what the real deal is, is I'm just uncomfortable for myself mm-hmm. because it's just such a marker of the passage of time. And, 
that they're like what I perceive as their discomfort makes me uncomfortable and I'm unable to handle it. And so I want to get away and pull myself away from it and just watching all of that. And, oh man, really it's just a confrontation of time, you know, that they are getting older and that means I'm getting older and when you're life is moving. Yeah. When you're, when you're with them, do you get to say so? Like, do you, do you all have that kind of <laughs> yes. relationship? You'll talk about it. Oh yeah. yeah. We've been talking about it. I mean, mainly because my, my father is very practical and he wants to have all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted for mm-hmm. his death. And when, when he goes and have, you know, having the conversations and the plans and who's going to do what, and he's been doing that for years mm. Um, and I'm up for it. I'm here for it. I think it's super important to, for there to be a space for people to, especially as they're, you know, getting older or know that, you know, they're nearing the end of their life. Like they have a space to share their fear and the terror that can come along with that. My, my dad in particular is not very emotional Mm. outwardly Mm -hmm. so he doesn't take that space to talk about his emotions and how he feels really about dying Mm. a little bit we've talked about it a little bit I just try to be there to for whatever whatever that he wants to share my mom wants to share yeah however you know whatever they need I'm just imagining you like crying though Oh my gosh. This last, this last time I was there, they would go to the, just, you know, I have this snapshot in my mind of my mom lost the use of her legs for a few days while I was there. And my dad is limping on one leg and I had, they were walking down the hallway and I was behind them and I have this, this image of them where my mom can barely walk and my dad is like hobbling and he's trying to hold her up and they're walking down the hallway and I'm just looking, I'm watching them. Mm. And then they, anytime they would leave to the like grocery store or to go have dinner, I'm just start crying. <laughs> I just would cry. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just to process it all mm. in my, when I can and without getting them involved in my, you know, this is my thing. And I, so any opportunity I had when they would leave, I would just start crying. So you wouldn't, and you wouldn't usually like, you'd try not to, or you could easily not in front of them. You just think, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I could, but I I'm was not just choosing you, not to. Not, yeah, totally. Right, I get right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not now. Not now. Mm-hmm. I feel like they are, they're working it out. You know, yeah. I think the way my mom deals with it is she gets, angry. Mm. You know, I think she, her go-to is anger to cover up the fear. Mm -hmm. You know, she gets so pissed off at my dad for not remembering things Mm -hmm. or not being able to hear. And with the way I see it is that she's just scared. Mm -hmm. She's scared. And, um, I, I am just there to, you know, I don't, I don't get in their business really about like how they should or shouldn't feel. I try not to. I mean, for sure it comes out sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I try to just, I don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. I don't know. And I am there to 
support and whatever. She wants anger is the way that she's dealing. That's the way that that's the way it's happening. That's the way it's unfolding. And so common to, you know, <sighs> I mean, it's just, I don't have, yeah. I don't have, I could pull up David White's. Do you know David White's book, mm. Consolations? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the whole entry on anger and knowing that, you know, it's really permission to have it, but also that it just acknowledges how much we care. You know, he, he frames it that yes. way. It's like you care so much right. that that's sometimes how it comes out, you know, and, and for sure knowing that it's also fear maybe or grief already, you know. I mean, I feel that way. I'm like holding space left and right in workshops and for, like I said, for like city college and going into prison. And then my daughter will cry about something. And I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. You know, like frustration right. and anger is almost like, yes, it's just waiting there instead of every other context, you know, where it's like, I can just keep soft. It's like when it's so close like that, you know? That's just what we were talking about today, where I was talking with my cousin and she said, you know, I have all the space for people that aren't so close to me. I can sit there and hold space for them. But when it's my dad or the people I love the most, I'm so impatient. And really, it's just that impatience with like the discomfort of I want to fix it for them or I want I don't want them to feel this way. And it's it's my own discomfort, that impatience that she was naming. It's like so right on. Mm. It's like, I just can't right now because I, it's uncomfortable for me. And it's the people that it's, that are the closest to us that really bring up that kind of discomfort. That's hard to be with. Yeah, I've noticed for me, mm. uh, you know, also something that's coming up for me, just being someone who I, I think I, I know I just like the first time we've talked, but already, um, I'm just like, we've just been talking for, for years, but, um, yeah. I'm, I'm like, what, a, what about the part of you that sits in this like yoga instructor and, and, and like expert, you know, I'm, I'm just name it. And, um, I swimming this morning, you know, for my workout this morning. Um, and, and I'm thinking this much about mortality that I'm in the pool, just like, so strong, just feeling so strong and such taking such right. good care of myself. And then like simultaneously or suddenly feeling like the impending fact or eventuality that like, it just won't work eventually. And, and wondering about probably where your work with yoga really lands in the mix here, where it's like, it's both like healing, strengthening, caring for the body and so many other things, but then also like to integrate the death element in the mix of that. And I'm just thinking of you doing that work and knowing it well and have created a program that's so significant in that way, the, this, this work that you're doing in the world and seeing that person look at your parents who like literally legs, their legs are not working suddenly, you know, they're limping, their body is like falling apart, you know, and imagining you from that perspective too, holding it all. This is like my usual question, but really just an acknowledgement for like what it, that's like, what that must be like. Well, um, it's connecting and I'm so grateful for this path of yoga because it's the, it's the thing that connects me. And so in those moments, you know, where my mom is angry, where I think if I hadn't had all this practice and all this training, I would be arguing with her. I'd be fighting with her. But the yoga is like, what is 
This is what's happening. And, and when I argue with it, who's the one that's suffering? Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's love. It's like, instead of telling her you should be different in this moment or don't be angry or I just join her, mm-hmm. you know, without, and to me, that's love, the joining, mm-hmm. the joining. I'm, I'm there with yeah, her. Being there I'm not together. like right yeah, there with her. Totally. And, and I, mm-hmm. I don't need her to be different. I don't need her to grieve in the way I think she should grieve mm-hmm. or, I think all of that is yoga and Mm. yoga is what first brought me really to, to death, to my exploration of death, because, um, should we get into this now? I mean, I I love the, I love, (laughs) I love the, just talk about your parents for an hour, but I mean, you know, it's like this part of how our mortality is outside of us and our parents, our child is present in with our parents. You know, it is like perfect that this, and I did want to check in really quick and say, um, before I actually kind of keep going with that thread and yeah, I do want to get into it, but I think we can sort of transition, like do both for a second. Um, Yes. I want to make sure, first of all, that when I asked you like, Hey, how, you know, how are you doing before we clicked record? And you were like, Oh, (laughs) and then it's like, okay, hold on. Is this everything you're talking about now? That stuff? Like mostly? No. Well, it's part of it. It's part of it, but it's, um, I think where I'm, I can kind of talk about what was happening for me this morning. I'm wondering, I wondered if you wanted to. Yeah. And, you know, and then we can just decide after how much, you know, (laughs) oh, so vulnerable. (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's, um, because to me, this is my practice. It's a, it's a practice. To me, it's yoga. Mm. And I don't think it's the yoga that most people would conceptualize as yoga. It's the mainstream yoga. It's yoga is, is really about union. You know, it's about the one merging with with the one, it's, it's um, about realizing your true self, the thing that does not die, the absolute. And whatever word people want to use for that, you know, God, truth, source, universe. But that's what yoga, it's a system designed to do that, to itself, capital S, realization, to remember the truth of who you are. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, and for me, um, okay, so let me back up. Okay. One of the ways, or the, really the way of realizing the truth of, of who you really are is by realizing who you're not. And just becoming aware of the identifications and the stories, the beliefs that we have, our very, very sacred, most sacred beliefs. And we think that our beliefs are who we are. And we think like, okay, most people are like, I'm, just, I'm this body, I'm this body, this is Susan. I'm like 44 years old. I'm a yoga meditation teacher and retreat facilitator, like these external things, right? And then the other layer of that is, and I am my beliefs. I am a liberal or, you know, whatever the political affiliation is. And um, 
the, our beliefs make up our whole world. And so that is in yoga, we could call that the attachment to our beliefs. It's identification, right? Or we identify with everything that pops through our mind as if it's the truth. And a way to capital T truth, meeting, meeting capital S self or meeting God is to loosen this identification with your stories about who you think mm. you are. Like you think of that as part of what you offer, what you believe yoga is for, or part of what you do with oh, your work. Yeah. yeah. That is yoga to yeah, me. Yeah, totally. That is yoga. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the, that is the goal of yoga, self-realization. And there's different branches of yoga. There's the, we use the Hatha yoga mm -hmm. or the physical body for yoga, but there's different branches of yoga. And, um, one of the branches is called dhyana yoga without getting too technical into the yoga philosophy but one of them is called dhyana yoga and it is literally one of one of the main techniques is self inquiry and that's just inquiring into the nature of self like who are you who are you who am i what am i underneath all of this you know the thing that changes is there something that does not change and and who is the one that is observing the body? Who is the one that is observing the mind? And so what, what is that? So that's a whole branch of yoga. And um, that's the kind, I mean, I do all, I do the other kinds as well. You know, obviously I, I teach cl like classes and with the physical body and we move and do that stuff. And it's super important. Um, but ultimately it's this piece of, of, becoming aware of the attachments to our stories and beliefs and realizing that we are those things and more. There's more. Um, I don't, I'm not a person that says we are not the body. I, I say we are the body and, mm -hmm. um, and there's something that does not die. So um, the way, the angle that I go into a lot of this is, um, you know, looking at the stories and the identifications and doing some inquiry on them. And, and it's really tough, man. Sometimes yeah. it's a son of a bitch because. <laughs> yeah. I was getting that listening. I'm I, like, even as a teacher, you know, I feel like you'd be in a room with people trying to help them get to these things or, you know, whatever, like making the room whatever you want to call it. And that you just would suddenly right. be like, fuck, like something would come up that you would just like die in the middle of you even teaching. I really have had yeah. this vision of you, Susan, or as like looking over the website and writing notes down. I didn't write down a lot of questions, which is kind of like my preferred way of having these conversations, but I'll write stuff down. Right. And one vivid thing I, that I really got clear on with you was really imagining you by the Ganges River doing what I see mm. you probably really capable of doing too, which is being like light and love and play and, and like that wonderful part of who you are in the world that I sense. 
But then also just suddenly having, and I don't know why that context clarified it for me, but suddenly having these moments of like what you're describing, I think now, which is like shit getting fucking real and you needing to be the badass that I, I'm just wanting to say that I sense you are to pivot and deal with the stuff that suddenly bursts forth from a body or a heart or the heat or whatever it is by the edge of the river, you know? I'm just imagining Man, you needing yes. to like suddenly do that all the time, you know? Is that, do you relate that's to it. that? Yeah, and okay. I, so much, Ned. And I feel like that's my purpose, mm -hmm. really. I feel like that's my purpose in this mm -hmm. life. And in order to be able to do that for others, I practice with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I practice with myself. And there is so much emotion and energy moving through this body mm -hmm. <laughs> that- yeah. I get some good practice. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I really, I like, there's no mistake. I was born this like emotional yes. ball of energy. Like, um, because I think I, the deal is woman, you need to learn to practice with this so that you can do this yeah, for other people. And, uh, huh. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So my, my, the thing is to hold it, hold it, hold it for myself. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes, and especially when it's the strong, the strong ones, you know, the, the ones that are holding it all together, mm -hmm. it seems, holding my, all of my life together. Mm -hmm. Like, our, in our, right, Ned, we, I could just yes. <laughs> go, go on. on. But, but, you know, once, <laughs> like, I mean, beliefs, beliefs like, people shouldn't lie. Mm -hmm. Is it true? Mm -hmm. You should be respected. Is it true? Mm -hmm. Like, the thing is, it's like, what's the reality mm -hmm. of it? People lie. You know, it's like, right, clear as day. It's, it's happening, but, but we have this, these myths. Wait, wait. Of wait, like, wait. we all should be kind to <laughs> yes, each other. You're right. It is a myth. The myth. <laughs> right. I hear that. I know, I know this is going to brain scramble. No, no, some this people. is good. Cause, but what I, this is what I'm feeling. I feel like, it may not need to be in the episode, but I feel like there's something you want to talk about that you haven't named yet that I feel like we could like do really right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get not get into it. the personal yeah. stuff. I'm just wondering if that's what the right. background like, is. I feel like it's right here. Right. Yes. And we right. can edit it out like, if you want. To give it some concrete. And you don't have to tell me right. what it is, but I'm just acknowledging I feel that. I mean, it's like, relationship stuff. It's dealing with yeah. relationship, like dealing in relationship, yes. like this person should do what I want. This person should treat me the way that I want. They are not communicating the way that I want. And it's not kind. It's not what, it's not um, okay. It's not respectful. Mm. They're not respecting my boundaries. That's a big word right, right now in my scene. And all of these things are running through through my mind and I'm believing them. And it's like, but the, another part of me, and it's so strong. And it's like, how do I feel when I believe that, when I attach to that yeah. and it's happening yeah. and it's happening, right? But the, I argue with it and I say, it shouldn't happen like this as if I know better than the way, the way of it, whatever you want to call it. You want to call it God or whatever people have different ways of being in the world. And I can very clearly see that, but I'm in the moment, like I should be treated with respect 
And this is what that looks like for me. Yeah. Okay, then who is not treating somebody with respect in that moment? Yeah. Me. Yeah. I understand. You understand? And how it's a projection mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. of what I am yes. doing. Any any time yeah. I'm calling somebody like, this motherfucker's trying to control <sighs> yeah. me. And I'm like, immediately somebody says like, park there. And this has actually mm-hmm. happened. I'll give a super concrete okay. example. I was uh, driving with my, um, we're not together anymore, but at one point this is my boyfriend and we're in the car and this is a long time ago. And he was just like, park, park here. And this whole thing came up inside of me, mm-hmm. this whole story of all the past stuff, right? All the times that he tried to tell me what to do, all the times anybody's ever tried to tell <laughs> yeah, me what right to then. do. That's who I meet in that <laughs> totally. moment. And so how, do, so how do I react when I believe mm. it? When I'm believing he's trying to control me, it's like all of that shit comes and I just want to attack mm-hmm. him. Right? And um, if that thought wasn't there, if I didn't have the capacity to think that thought, then I just noticed somebody's trying to help me yeah. out, man. Or whatever. Like somebody's just like, or, yeah. or whatever. I, I just like, hear you saying like you placed yourself here. there. Like, I feel like you're what you're, is this a version of what you're saying? I feel like when you say like, I'm being disrespected, it's like your own thoughts have you being disrespected. And in a way, then you're disrespecting yes. yourself somehow. I know this sort of suddenly yes. sounds cheesy, but I'm like thinking about. No, it's yeah, this, okay. exactly All right. this. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's, it's exactly mm. that. So in the moment, right, okay, without the story, he's trying to control me. I just hear somebody say park yeah, right. here. And it's no like, meaning. oh, okay, that's yeah, clear. Totally. No, it's like just park mm-hmm. here. But with, with all of this stuff running, who's the one that's, tra- who's, that's being controlling? Who's the one? In that moment, I'm being controlling because I just am like, I don't want it like this. Yeah. I don't, I don't want you to talk. I don't want you to say these two words to me. I don't want you to, it's not like this, Yeah. you know, I'm controlling it. I'm trying to control what's yeah. happening. And so it's, it's yoga in the way that it is a, it is a way to practice and have the direct realization yourself mm. of how the world is a projection of your own mind. That's all it could ever be. Um, so, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Ned. Uh, um, before we get further into the episode, Nick's finding a pen. Uh, this is a Found special one. treat for you. What's that? Found one. Oh. Uh, hey everybody, it's Nick Jane. A little early through some of you, you listeners of all the eps, you've been thrown off a little bit. It's not the ending, um, but we're going to do something to highlight the import of what we're seeing more and more of. And thank you all so much, um, which is ratings and reviews. Seeing more and more every day. We're seeing this. People are saying, people are saying is more and more every Trump? day. Wow, it's really nice to. <laughs> Later in the episode, guys, Nick's Nick's gonna take his version of how I sound to him, and uh, it still has me feeling a little upset. Um, 
So that was Nick's Trump. Okay, we're not going to do impersonations for this. We're going to do an, an, well, we call it an ad lib. Get it, Nick? Ooh. <laughs> so we're going to do a Mad Lib, okay? We're going to highlight the import of ratings and reviews. Thanks for all of you who have done some stars on Spotify or or rated the show on Apple Podcasts and, and shared a few words. We are reading those and we do get them and we see them. And, and in truth, it's, it is like a, a, only one of the limited amounts of measurements we have for our listenership in the world. Like we know you're out there. We know like thousands and thousands of listens have happened, but also like it's general and vague and, and one real wonderful way to be clear that we have people listening and that it matters is that you right now think it's worthwhile to go to your Spotify and click five stars or to your Apple podcast and type in a few words to say, hey, this show means this much to me. And to really make it as clear as possible why it's worthwhile, Nick is going to make up a Mad Lib with words I give him. And we're going to create our own Mad Lib rating review. Okay, Nick, you ready? Give me an adverb. Oh, I've never been great at the, um, I always have to Any, read the something description. Something ending in L-Y. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Truly. Okay. Uh, give me a I noun. A a in, a I have a master's noun. in English literature and he just like, just, just got me looking just real dumb here on the show. Give me, a plural give, noun. Okay. All right. Give me a uh, iambic pentameter. Podcasts. No. Oh, geez. This is going to be rough. <laughs> Boy, give me an animal. Um, orangutan. Okay. Uh, adverb? Um, stinkily. Adjective? Yellow. <laughs> uh, plain old noun. A butt. That's for my kids. A butt. Oh, dear. Yep. Hey, okay. we do not get okay. a Mad Lib done in this house without butt getting in there. Country. Belgium. Knew you'd say that. Number. God, you're really number. getting to know me. This is tender and number. sweet. Oh, nine. Nine. Number nine. Okay. All right. So here's how you do it. This is just a format template for how you could write a, a iTunes review. Is it called iTunes? Template? No, it's an Apple no. podcast. Apple. They don't use it. Apple podcasts. Review. Okay. Um, oh wait, no, I need the, I need the subject line, right? It's gotta be, um, okay. Uh, yeah, like one more adverb. Genuinely. All right. Genuinely splendiferous podcast. Hey, you're going to die. I just want to say that I truly love <laughs> your podcast. Wow. It's better than a group of podcasts. <laughs> yes. That means it's better than a when lot I of take podcasts. <laughs> together what sh quiet when i take my orangutan around the block and we catch a glimpse of the stinkily arranged city in the yellow sunset i wow. can't help but think deep down at the bottom of my butt yes <laughs> yes i love this darn podcast sincerely bjorn from belgium <laughs> Nine out of five stars. <laughs> that is wow. They rated more than five, which I didn't know was an option. Um, 
That's for Belgium too. Thanks for listening. Belgium. Only through this process can you get there. <laughs> All right, everybody, make your own ad lib up. You call it an ad lib because it's like an ad. We'll read it on the show. <laughs> make up your own ad lib. Throw it into Apple Podcast reviews, ratings. Go to Spotify. Click the stars. We love to know you're listening. Let us know some more. Boop. During the conversation, you may have caught the moment where I cannot help but imagine Susan on the edge of the river, literally in the action of running a yoga experience. And honestly, this mid-show moment is for me. We do our mid-show moments for our guests, for you, but I was I was really clear that I want to go there. I want to go to the river and be with Susan doing yoga. I have my own pretty basic practice. I, I do yoga a couple times a week. I want to go to the edge of the Ganges River for three minutes, two to three minutes right now, and be held by the sounds of that water and the music of producer Nick Jana and feel the healing that Susan does with her yoga instruction right there. Come with me. Okay, let's go. Check this out for a second. No two people have ever really met. You meet your story about your dad, right? Just like you said, it's like you go to that situation and the whole, all the thing comes with it. The story 
of who your dad is, who he, you know, who he was yesterday and who he was three years ago. And, and that's who shows up. That's the Ned that shows up to meet your dad. And that's who your dad meets. And so that's how we, we played out. Like we have our stories about who people are. And then we project our story onto these meat suits. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Onto these things. And, and we call it them, but it's, it's, our story of them. Mm. You know, it's like if I were to get in a fight with a partner and we have the fight in the nighttime, right? Think about you. I mean, anybody listening, gosh, this one's so common. Mm -hmm. It's like you get in a fight in the nighttime, you go to sleep and you wake up in the morning or you see them the next day, they come down into the kitchen and it's like, (laughs) oh, there he is. Oh, yeah. there, there all you the are. Things, you know? All it's the like, things from bleh. yesterday. Yeah. All, all the things from yesterday. All yeah. the post-its. Like, call them little post-its. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. the one who did this, the one who said this. I remember, I remember you did this and you I did le- this. The post-its and- are perfect because it's just like this, like, what is it? Like, such a trite labeling option, you know, and especially on a human. Cause it's just, they, they don't have to stick very well, but you're right. There's post-its. I love that image. Yeah. Just covered in post-its. Mm-hmm. Think about all the people I know, all mm. the people in my life. I just have my stories about them. I know I remember how it was three years ago. I remember our shared history, yeah. all of the things. And it's all in my imagination and it keeps me really from just opening up to this, this person in front mm-hmm. of me that has walked into the kitchen, it's not the same one yeah. from last night. Yeah. That one right. is living in my imagination. Absolutely. So if you're tracking all this, Ned, then it's the same thing with when we talk about when someone dies. Well, ugh, I mean, anyway, let's stay, let's stay here for now. Let's yeah, stay, okay. let's stay here for now and talking about like, it's like an, it's like ego death. It's ego death when it can be like an ego death when you let go of your ideas of who somebody is. Yeah. Or has you know? been or yeah. Right. Or, the stories. Yeah. The stories mm-hmm. of who they, of who they are. And because then it shifts and changes all of this, all of our stories are totally interconnected. Right. And if I hold their story in place about who they are, it's, it's holding my story in place about who I am. Would you say right now I caught you? I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. I happen to catch you in the, like, you're seeing how somebody else has the post-its all over them right now. Would you say like, that's the stage you're at? (laughs) Oh my God. I'm, I'm my, my sacred beliefs of, of, is this, it's like, I'm talking, you know, I've been talking to this guy on and off, and we just go, we have, we go through these things and it is such a, a process for me mm-hmm. um, to, it just excavates so much old mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. in my system to be seen, felt and heard. Yeah. And it feels like death, you know, like, mm. and, and as much as I want, I blame this guy, you know, like things like that, like, yeah doesn't text me back, leaves my, my messages on unread for days. Mm-hmm. 
and like this kind of stuff that all my all my, oh my girlfriends gosh. and you know it's so common that it, yeah. yeah I mean everybody's like what Me. an asshole yes right yeah I'm feeling right it. like uh-huh. what an asshole and <laughs> yeah. it feels like shit mm. but what is it but then then if I'm in my practice yes right I'm yes. in my practice and so my practice is like okay what is it that feels like shit is it is it this person or is it what I'm attaching to, the stories Absolutely. that I'm attaching to in my mind yeah. about what this means and what that means about me? And that's what the cause of my, when I sit down and I mm-hmm. sit with it and I look, mm-hmm. that's what the cause of the suffering is. As much as I want to put it out there and that's what serious. comes, you know, it's mine. Mm-hmm. And, what, and it brings up a lot of, stories and images from when I was young and you know Mm. my dad Mm -hmm. when he left like temporarily he Mm. left our our house and moved out and and that's what it's triggering inside of me these memories these visceral imprinted traumas in my body that I could not deal with back then and had to split it off like trauma is it's so wise and kind thank god it Mm. did split off those parts of myself that could not handle it and Mm. could not process and digest it. And then it stays there until another time when I can go back to it and process it and feel it. And so in so many ways, it's a gift for me that this happens. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I feel like there's, to talk about this stuff takes such an incredible amount of sensitivity because I'm aware, like I don't, I'm not bypassing myself or gaslighting myself or I'm not trying to say that to anybody out there. Like it's a gift, everything's a gift and all of that stuff because for sure it does not feel when I am in the throes of that, I'm there with that little girl. Mm-hmm who was powerless to change anything and felt left and felt like, you know, if I was just enough, if I was cute Mm. enough, if I was good enough, this wouldn't be happening, but powerless to do anything, that kind of excruciating feeling is real for me. Mm. So for somebody to come by and be like, Oh, it just, it's a gift, right? (laughs) That's not. I have to say, yeah, I just, Cause I know the inclination, I know why people do, you know, and, but, but just especially, and I've talked about this on the show before, and I just want to share it to, to connect to what you're saying is this, the cancer patients, you know, it's like such a common reframing, you know, it's like, what's the gifts of the diagnosis. And, and, and there's not much more to say about that. I think your point is clear and I'm fully with you on that. And, and I appreciate you saying what, is needed for community that might be listening. It's like in the, like the trauma or the deep hurt or the crisis, you know, these things that in fact, a version of the process that we also deserve sometimes, right. Which is like being clear on what a boundary might be or being clear yes. how, on how easily we're hurt. So then we don't fucking want maybe a certain yes. kind of person in our life. Yes. Assuming yes. that there's a possibility too that I could transform my dad, 
by loving him in a way, in spacious ways that doesn't keep him in those stories. But just like acknowledging your moment where you're like, I want to just say, like, I also get it. You know, I get these things that we feel about how we're being hurt or feeling hurt um, and appreciate that. But also what I hear you saying and something I'm feeling a lot lately is like, I don't want to be, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll get super visible too in a way I haven't yet with you and, and haven't talked about on the show, but I, I, tried out Al-Anon recently and, and you might know what Al-Anon is, but I'll just describe it real briefly for people that might not. It's not AA, it's not Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's for people that have someone in their life who is an addict. And so you go there to be with that impact. And, and, you know, my mom drank a lot, you know, um, and she was functioning, you know, but she was depressed and angry and, uh, drank every night, you know, so I go to these Al-Anon sessions and I've only been to a few, but that feeling I got there, it has both the opportunity to come in maybe and be the victim that's hurt by the stories. But there's not a lot of time for that. Like they even have you do the 12 steps when you're ready. And I was like, why yes. do I have to do the 12 steps? <laughs> and right. it's like, well, that's your, that's your taking right. responsibility for you yes. and the stories, yes. you know, and the impact on yes. others. Because you're feeling that way about who you are in the world. Sorry, I, that was a lot of a soapbox, but I just wanted to kind of like reflect no. all these things and all these tears and what they connect to with what you're saying, especially going back, going back to like my little boy and my dad leaving the house, you know, um, again, not saying our dads are the same and all that, but just the relating to these little versions of ourselves and where it can begin or continue, let's say, because then we're inheriting shit, right? We're inheriting that my dad was in his stories and has been how we get That's programmed it. and trained That's to all. keep doing all this shit, you know? That's it, man. That's all any of us are doing ever is just believing our stories. And so in, in that way, it's innocent. It's innocent mm. because you know, when I sit in meditation and I'm watching my mind, I notice I'm not doing it on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. It's happening. It's a happening. Thoughts come. Mm -hmm. And then they're believed immediately, just believed. Grabbed onto, yeah. You're, you're, I'm seeing you like reach out and grab the air, which I want to say out loud for the listener, like the grasping, you know, like that's the clean, that's the thing to grab onto. That's the thing I'll cling to. Yeah. But it's not even conscious like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't mm -hmm. think that's the thing I'm going to You're believe right. and that's the thing, I'm, it's just a happening. So in that way, it's innocent because it's the nature of the mind. It's the nature of the ego. It's looking for a home outside of ourselves and people and places and situations, confused. It's just confused and it's, it's so innocent. And I really want to, bring that mm. point because yeah, I like that. All I any of us are doing word, or it makes me feel me. me I feel I'm like, yeah, thanks. That's how I feel. Like there's an innocent part. There's an innocent part. Of yes. Yeah. And imagine if we all just could, yeah, well, it's for me to learn, I guess, <laughs> you know, and I, and that is what I'm, I've been in the process of, of really 
really what it is is understanding my basic goodness and my inherent innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm when I'm lost in a story about it shouldn't have happened or this person is fucked up mm-hmm. or an asshole, like it's I'm just believing a story and. I have the tools now to really sit and ask, like, is this, is this true? Mm. And I think if all of us had perfect clarity, it, that's love, right? We're all just unconditionally mm. loving, but we're human beings so, having a human experience. And <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. part of the deal mm-hmm. is the ego is going to do its thing innocently mm-hmm. and um, trick us into all these, these stories mm. And when I can sit in inquiry and get clearer, I realize that only love remains. But it's not done until it's done. And I'm not going to pretend. Right? I'm not going to bypass it. I'm not, I'm not going to betray myself in that way. I, I just got to stay in integrity yeah. and stay in my practice. And if it that's it. Well, what, what I mean, like, I'm just like, I keep imagining you like walking up to your mom or this, this person, let's say, we'll just say the human being that has the post-it notes on them and just like uh, doing what your work asks of you and, and of the people that you work with, you know, to just wipe all those post-it notes off their body. And I'm like, what, it, what is that? Like, how do you do that moment? How do you do that with your parents? How does the yoga influence that or the meditation? It's just like, you're very clear right now with this is what's happening. We're all doing it. And now I want to say like, well, what is, what's the also succinct way of saying, well, here's what you do or here's what I do. You write your thoughts down on paper and you question them. Great. great. Thanks so much for being here. That's what you do. That's it. I mean, I love it. And I that's love it. it. It's so, it's so Thank simple. You. <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, but I, I feel like it's just like, was easy. I know absolutely. I get all that, but I just love that you have like a, you, that's an answer. That's actually an action that I could take. It is an action. Look, there's a, there's this woman named Byron Katie. I know. If I you, know Byron if, Katie. Yeah. Okay. So Byron mm. Katie, that's it. I mean, that is, and Ned, I have, I have studied and practiced so many different traditions over the years mm-hmm. since, I mean, almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And I came to Byron Katie stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is Yana yoga. This is then yeah. Buddhism. This yeah. is, this is the how, this is the how mm-hmm. of like all of these big ideas of the oneness and we're all one and we're all love. And it's like, just be present and all of that stuff. But it's like, yeah, but how? Yeah. <laughs> and then I came to the, this, the work of Byron Katie and it was like, yeah, this is the, ha- this is how she, did, this yeah. is- she gives the how it's four questions and a turnaround. And so what I do in the morning, I just write. You know, I write my morning pages. I write all this just brain dump of what is coming without censoring. And then I go back and I just look at the thoughts that are like judgments of how things should be. Mm-hmm. And they're always there. They're always there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the way of it. Um, and I write them down and then I question them. Mm-hmm. And 
sometimes you just be really surprised. The questions are, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? So like we could just take, he should, he should, um, he shouldn't leave me hanging. He should reply to my text. He should reply to my text. And then is it true? And then can you absolutely know that it's true? Mm -hmm. And how do you react when you're attaching to that story? Mm -hmm. Just, and then you get to be there. You get to be with the feelings. And, and what came for me this morning is the images of when I was a little girl and all of that stuff this just morning, came. It was like, yeah. right. Yeah. Of like, he should, come back. he should <laughs> come back. Mm -hmm. And I realize it's not about this person that I thought it was about. Mm. It's not this, this, it's the trigger for me to see all that. And my gosh, it, it felt, it feels like off. It feels like a death because what's happening. If I get into the mind about it and is I'm completing a cycle of trauma, right? I'm going back there and letting that energy that was frozen yeah run its course yeah. to, I feel it. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be felt. That's what energy, it, it doesn't die. It will stay frozen and not get updates yeah. until it can, until it can flow. Yeah. And the way to do that is to be with it and yeah. feel it. I really appreciate that. Cause I, cause you know, it, it really, it articulates something that might be kind of like, you're like, no, I actually don't mean that, but it, it does it to me. It sounds like you're describing like that thing stuck. It is there. I mean, it proven by that. You're feeling it right. The other qu the yes. question maybe coming up is someone saying like, well, I don't feel any of that stuff. And so I'm kind of like, well, what do you do when someone's not able to access it? And why should we assume it? But that's their stuff. So I'll be careful not to confuse me and, and another version of a human being. But the way you just describe it to me is that like, well, you know, like I'm just talking about this Alan on stuff. I I'm going, I'm going on the website to like find out about the workshops or if it's, you know, I'm not sure. I still am not sure, but I'm like, what is this for me right now? And there's a link that says uh, some questions to answer to decide if Al-Anon's for you. And I go to this link and it's just like 20 questions. And this speaks to what I think you just shared, which is the questions were for that little boy. You know, the questions were like, do you feel worried that something's going to go wrong all the time? Yes. Do you yes. do a lot to make sure others are okay? Do you yes. find self-worth in, you know, and so, and I just burst into tears. Like it just came on just, just like lightning, you know? And for me, yes. what you're describing is seeing that, which is there's some, there's stuff there, you know, there's stuff back there, there's stuff in there memory, body, whatever. But yes. like when you get it to hear you describe then too, what I got to have with a risk that you could just access that and fall into what I also think you've been talking about, like an old pattern of like strengthening it, maybe like reinforcing it instead of just being like, okay, there it is. Like, let's get it going. You know, let's get through it. Let's have the cry or write down the thoughts, you know, whatever. The action is that feel connects it. to it. Yeah, feel it though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ned, I want to also just acknowledge oh. that you seem to be, from where I'm sitting, uh, very in touch with 
the energy of emotion moving through your body. I think that's a, a fair. <laughs> I mean, the listeners are like, Jesus, you should hear the, all the other episodes, like how often I'm just bursting into tears. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's right. You're right. That is, I, I, I don't know how you experience it, but I, my idea of it is that it's a, it's a huge gift. Okay. And, um, a lot of us are very disconnected from that part of ours, the feeling mm. part, because for various reasons, we just learned it wasn't okay. We've armored ourselves. It's like, that's not what is valued in our society. Like yeah, all of the beliefs around it, just stay quiet. Um, don't, don't we've, it's scary. Yeah, you're right. And that's what the, tr the, tr the trauma is. It's because we just were scared to feel. Yeah. I know you're right. I just wanted to add the like, I so appreciate the seeing me, you know, in that way. And, and I, there is the part of me that's like the worries about how I'm this way, which probably are packed into what you just described. The part of me that's like, exactly. he's crying. <laughs> there he, he's throwing another tantrum. He's crying, all, which is all the kids stuff, right? Um, but anyway, I want to hear the rest of what you were just about to say. But, but that's super aware mm -hmm. of what you're saying, just noticing those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And like, because that's how it lives in all of us. I think when you give voice to them, everyone can, can relate to, oh, the, you know, we shouldn't be, or am I doing this too right. much? And what you're, you're in touch and, um, that is a big gift in the work that I do. I, I've so many people over the years where we have internalized this, this thing of like, it's not feeling. And the reason is because like, I can speak for myself. Nobody taught me really how to, when I was a kid, process my emotions or feel my emotions. And I never learned that. And I became very disconnected from my body, numbing. And I, you know, and then I had, and then I started drinking, numbing, you know, your mom, mm -hmm. just to, anything to not feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I start working with people and really a lot of this stuff, the trauma work or, whatever you want to call it, yoga. I call it yoga. Yeah. I have, you know, um, but I have been educated. You know, I, I have been in trauma courses and to me, I, I see it all as yoga, but it's the fear of feeling. Yeah. It's, it's, we're afraid to feel our emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, it sounds so simple, but that is at the heart of, so much of our contraction and depression and in life because we, all the things that we've been numbing from, we just can't, we can't feel. Yeah. So, so a lot of my work is just let's, let's feel, let's work to like feel. And then that means going back to these parts, right? That we cut off. Would you be a, all the little? Would you be inviting people, like say in a in a class? You know, like that's part of the invitation, or you're talking people there. Pay attention to that. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, the number one intention for yoga, sex, and death. The, there's four, and the first one is to feel, to resensitize, mm. to resensitize in our bodies, mm. 
but our energy body, our energy, our emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all designed for, for that to, to come back to those parts of ourselves that we left behind yeah. that we couldn't, it were too oh, tough to yeah. feel. It's like, there's no way out, but through. Yeah. There's no way out, That's but through. Right. And who would you be if you weren't afraid to feel, mm-hmm. like to feel rejection, to feel abandonment, to feel those things. It's like, I'm free. Yeah. I'm free yeah. to be myself. I'm not looking for approval or appreciation or validation or love because it's here already. Yeah, I'm just like, again, it's, I'm getting you next to the river, opening this stuff up, you know? And I, I mean, I don't even mean the Ganges. I'm just like the river. And the Ganges. The Ganges. And I see you being this like light of uh, invitation. This is what I was describing earlier. I'm like right now hearing you do it, you know, just now. What I'm just acknowledging right now and feeling with you is you being the invitation. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're in a yoga, sex, and death course, and you just what you did with me and what a listeners felt. You know, it's like just come on, you know, like like go there, feel it, and then just knowing what probably comes, which is a lot of hard stuff than that you hold, and I mean you, Susan, that you know when you're doing these courses, you're going to get people like writhing. Wailing, you know, yeah, you needing to, yes, you know, catch it. So, I want that's my like, let's talk about yoga, sex, and death. Maybe in those terms, let's talk about like what happens in that context when the feelings start coming, and then you can kind of like be sharing with the listeners a bit of the programming. We're still following the thread of like what, uh, that this stuff we're already deep into. Does that work? Does that feel? Like we're on course. Yes, I gotta, I, I gotta say it before the short. It's um. So the 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 thread is the death piece, and like learning to feel for a lot of people feels like death. Mm. It's going back and experiencing things that our whole lives we've been running from because it's fucking terrifying. So then. I, that's what happens there. Um, in, and there's all kinds of tools set up to support the group, mm. like yoga. Mm. We do, we do embodiment practices. We do somatic movement. We do self-inquiry. We're doing shadow work. We're doing meditation. We're doing so many things to support oh gosh, that <laughs> journey for people yeah. back to themselves. Mm. So that death piece is in just learning to feel sounds so simple, but really it's like, we're inviting you to go into the depths of to your, your death yeah. and um, die to these parts of yourselves that we're holding on, have been holding on and holding yes. on and you feel them and then they let mm. go. And then we do that with sexuality. We, we look at the ways that we're blocking ourselves sexually um and it's all about letting go the whole thing is about letting go that that's the sex and death connection for me and i've had recent conversations with people about it but this 
you know, the little death, yes, you know, in a way, like, let's just like make the connections around like how it could be described having like an orgasm. But this idea of more, let's say, wholly, generally, the activity of like letting go, that's, that's like, that's suddenly I see very simply the connection. I also want to acknowledge really quick, like you're all, I know it's simple, just feel, but in truth, like that's kind of all you're going to die keeps asking. Like that's all we've ever done. The open mic wasn't like, it's super complicated. Like come here, you're right. going to get, we're going to hand you an Excel spreadsheet. It'll have 13 steps for actually access. You know, it's like, no, it's like just fucking feel it and maybe say it. Yes. And also, yes. you know, maybe just hear it, you know, and that it's that simple. Yeah. Like what else is there? What else do you need? And I know there are complicated things, complicated trauma, complicated abuse, complicated, uh, um, like identity in this world, in this country, you know, I, uh, going back to what you said at the beginning, which is like, it, it, we're not trying to uh, bypass that reality, but there's also sometimes the work of like naming the thing and being with others, which is essentially what I feel like yoga, sex and death is offering. It's like come together in community. Here's what we're going to do. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. And it's the letting go in yoga is like letting go of the stories, like, right. And then the letting go in sexuality, it's all, it's all for the merging to find, to realize your truest, the thing that does not change source God to have an experience of that yourself. Mm. And that's how it happens in yoga in sexuality. There's a merging to becoming one Mm. and how most of us think that we want that kind of intimacy but really it's terrifying mm-hmm. on an unconscious level so vulnerable. and so vulnerable. And we are unconscious to the ways that we block it from ourselves and we will make it about our partner. We'll project. There's that projecting again. We'll project like, okay, really what's happening is I'm terrified to be intimate with another person, but I can't see that right now. So what I'm going to do is, find a motivation to get another lover mm. or close my body down, freeze my erotic energy. So many different ways that we can numb or distract ourselves from that kind of merging with another person. And really all of it, all of it, everything in life is in specifically these two things because it's this retreat, but it's all a practice for what happens when the time mm. comes. For death. You've always framed it that way? Because- all, You have always thought it? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, yoga, sex, and death is an exploration of sexuality and the death process through a yogic mm-hmm. lens, through a yogic understanding of what's happening with, in lovemaking and through the yogic understanding of what is happening like from a Tibetan Buddhist perspective yeah. of what happens when you die. But the context is that we're all, this is all a practice for that. Yeah. For death.
If you want to find out more about Susan Marufo's work, you can check all the links in the show notes. I'm just going to leave it at that. I've said enough. Nick Jaina, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Jeez. Okay. I got to go pick up my kids. All right. We just got to get to it. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You can go. I can just handle this part. Um, that's hilarious. Okay, everybody. It's been so great. I'm going to leave you with Nick. He's going to finish <laughs> this one without me. Um, that's very Welcome funny. Welcome to I do, your ears. I, I do. <laughs> he's not going to mimic me, by the way, everybody. He's not going to pretend he's me and make fun he's of the things I mimic say. Me. Okay. Make fun uh, of the things I uh, say. I'm Nick. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you uh, want to talk about? <laughs> Okay, listen, um, I have something to talk about. What was this episode like for you listening to listening, editing, working on this? No, I think it's important uh, for me to like, you know, like boots on the ground <laughs> kind of uh, discussions of death and the and the connection to sexual energy and the mm. what I think of as like the the devil card in the tarot, like all these like very real uh, forces, energies in our lives that often are so profound that we can't talk about them because we're kind of embarrassed by being Mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. Um, The engagement of that and the linking of those two things is really important and the embodiment of them. You know, like there's just a lot of intellectual things that can be discussed that are great, but like for these very embodied things like grief um, die literally yourself dying. The intellectual framework is great, but like the, the embodied aspects, I'm glad we're getting into that because like it's, it needs to happen at some point, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And if it's like happening at the end or it's happening, like when the grief is overwhelming or if it's like, you know, like I, I don't know, maybe it's worth talking about like how grief literally feels, you know, like to me, it, it feels like a, like a frozen, uh, block of ice. Like mm-hmm. my chest has become a frozen block of ice and kind of cracks and kind of sharps and kind of, uh, uh kind of sharp and kind of cutting. Mm. Um, but like just, you know, just starting to like imagine that and put that into words and like talk about it. I'm sure it's different for different people, you know, sure. of like where in the body it sits and what it feels like, but that's a real, that's a very real part of it. You know, like that's the, like the real rubber hitting the road of, <laughs> of, of grief, you know? Yeah. I guess I'm trying to connect what you're saying to, um, the episode a little more clearly. Um, well, she's talking about, I mean, yoga, she's just talking about the yoga is moving energy, right? Yeah. It's like not just talking about a thing, but it's like, okay, we've talked about it and still this block of ice is on my chest. Got it. And like, sometimes it's just like, it can only move if you like literally do heart opening physical exercises. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I get that. Do you have a version of that in your life? Do you have a way that you like move things physically? Like emotions? I do. I do yoga. I do Qigong. Mm. Oh, do you really? I didn't know um, that. Yeah, of course. Of Um, course. Wow. Sounds like we're all supposed to... (laughs) I do. I want to hear more about the Qigong. Sometimes I say, of course, when I just mean like, yeah. Well, thanks for being clear. Cause boy. Yeah. <laughs> really threw yeah. me off there. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> 
To a lot of people, of course, means like you should have known that by now. Yeah, you that's idiot. how it reads. <laughs> when I just how it reads, I just mean double thumbs up. I just mean two thumbs up. Like yes. Yeah, and, I think uh, you should yeah. think about a new new couple words for. Uh, <laughs> I think absolutely. I think it's a great thing to integrate into your life. Um, of course, does read as like, hey man, sorry, okay, I didn't know that. Um, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't know it, and I want to know more about it. Do you do it every day? Is it a practice you have? Do you do it when you're feeling like something like grief? Like what, when is your getting to it? How often? Any of that, anything that feels early, worth sh- early in the, early in the pandemic, I started doing weekly zooms with my friend Willem who, okay. uh, just out of the kindness of his heart, just like, I'm going to show you some Qigong exercises. And we just met every week for a while. I wasn't able to like keep it going. It was just that, that every week, um, since then I've been able to like find a way into it particularly of, of doing it, practicing it throughout the week. And ultimately it's about moving energy through your body, you know, like Mm. called chi. And the, the thing that makes it hard for like people from the United States to engage with things like that sometimes is like normally physical exercise is very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. Either you're trying to win a game or you're trying to like build muscle mass or you're or trying sweat to like, or, you yeah. know, get a sweat on, which is great too. I think that's very important. But like <laughs> I like that sentence. The idea I gotta, I'm like, trying to get a sweat on. I like that sentence. <laughs> you say that all the time. I do. God, sweetie, I'll be back. I got to go get a sweat on <laughs> when I'm talking to you. <laughs> got to go get, got to go get wife. swole. Yeah. I got to get swole. I got to get a sweat on and get swole. You're right though. It's like, we're, that's how I exercise. For example, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of rising anxiety, which at times for me feels like a drowning kind of feeling, like just overwhelmed with like, how am I going to pay this? How am I going to pay that? Like, well, what's, how, how can I have a good life in a country that's going in this direction, you know? Um, and I've also had this mysterious uh, head congestion, you know, just like stuffed up, not, don't have a cold. Mm-hmm. But like at times, like wake up gasping for air in the middle of the night because I'm like, I'm not able to breathe through my nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Qigong friend of mine said, oh, well, you know, the commonality between those two things is like all your energy is up in your head. You know, you, you have this anxiety and you keep going up in your head to try to solve it by thinking more. And you, you know, like that gets like stuck there literally. And it's just like stuck, stopping your breathing because it's all like frozen up there. Mm. And so like the goal then just becomes like, how do I just coax that down? Like, how do I get those bats out of the rafters and like bring the energy down, you know? And to me, like, that's a great thing about yoga and Qigong is like just moving down into your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that is a, you know, that's a scary, I, I'm just like, I'm saying all this because like acknowledge like the body can be a scary place when you feel pain. And if, if you feel the ice block on your chest of grief, you don't want to be there. You know, like it can, it can feel like the head is an escape route because it's like, oh, I've, this is where I control things. This is where I can like dream and have an imagination and whatever, you know, come up with a solution. Right. It seems like there's no solutions in the bodies in the body, but like, it's, it's a fool's errand, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it, like it gets, it gets, um, too stuffed up up there. You know? like, I understand. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of want you to describe like, a 
for for those who don't know the the practice a, a little because my understanding of it is that I was trying to articulate a little bit ago is this like it, it is like a slowing down like it's like mm-hmm. it's not like a quick exercise it's uh kind of like a presencing a paying attention even like meditative more than not that I don't feel meditative when I'm doing yoga but it it still has that get a sweat on like extend yourself, (laughs) like push that stretch. You know, it has that, that energy to it for me, you know, and, and it helps. I I think actually in a way that you're describing, uh, um, right now, you know, yoga does that for me. Swimming does that for me. You know, it's like a bring it back to the Mm -hmm. body kind of thing. Pay attention to the move, pay attention to the lap you're on, um, pay attention to your breath. Um, my best version, I think that connects to this practice is like straight up meditation, you know, where it's like, I'm really needing to keep bringing my attention out of my head and back to my breath, back to my body, to my posture. Um, and maybe there's a connection there. Like it helps in the same way. Um, but I'd love to hear your description of like, a the exercise, you know, especially for those people who are listening that don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like a more active meditation, you know, like Mm -hmm. the difficulty with meditation can be if you have trouble, like letting go of your thoughts and like not overthinking things to just sit quietly (laughs) is its own, like can be its own torture, you know, Um, if you're not able to like, just let go of that process, you know? And so introducing some, yeah, repetitive, slow movements, gives you something to focus on. That's cool. That kind of tricks your mind out of out of the rafters and like gets you to just be like I think this is my own interpretation but like Yeah. That's what I want. You know like just just gently like turning turning your arm like you're like you're like uh I don't know slowly spinning this big wheel. Mm. And just like thinking of just like I'm just like getting a perfect circle with my arm as I like spin it around and just like mm-hmm. getting it right on the the parallel plane to my body and just like getting into that, like, you know, having a simple task, like helps you to like get out of the bigger tasks of like, how am I going to pay this bill? You know? Yeah. I appreciate and that. And then does, you know, that's the intellectual explanation, but then, and then the like chi oriented explanation is just like, you're literally moving energy and like, mm-hmm. you're, you're like taking it from one place to another and, and you're focusing it. Cause it, I think we're victims of just a lot of scattered energy. However, you, whatever cosmology you have of how you look at that, like we're pulled in so many directions and (laughs) everything's battling for our attention. And you just feel like this kind of like fuzzy frayed wire a lot of times. And it's all, it's just like a system of like smoothing that down and focusing it. Yes. I I appreciate this conversation. And it's funny now I'm realizing in a way that we know this, this episode uh, was more inclined to with Susan to be talking about the emotion and the human experience and her personal experience. And then for you and I, the kind of non-experts to be digging into like how it matters to have the body, like Susan should be here maybe so that we could hear like, well, what, tell us more about these parts. Um, But also just knowing, uh, a way to accent like I did at the introduction, the value of our conversation with her, like her heart and her caring as an invitation for people to go and curiously see what a program like yoga, sex and death could offer, um, in a way that we need more of, you know, the, like you said, the getting out of what we do a lot of what I know I do a lot of, I spend so much of my time in my head 
my heart kind of up into my head, you know, it's like feelings driven straight up into my thoughts. And that is mm-hmm. such a strong place for me. Like literally I'm in the world, just like the upper torso and the head and nothing else mm-hmm. really, you know, the rest is mm-hmm. a robot so much of the time and having these practices that I know I need more than ever. And I think I'm doing a pretty go- good job lately of, of making time for them to bring it all back down, you know, and, and how much of a difference, even let's just talk about, bring it back to grief again. Like my grief is different when I swim every morning and do yoga every morning. Mm-hmm. And I, we don't need to belabor the point. There's nothing more to be said about it, but I do, I really appreciate us kind of getting, getting a little more of what Susan and I didn't talk about, which is like, what is this worth? You know, why is it worth it? And maybe worth you, uh, and I sharing for the listeners, for all of you, our version of, well, here's why it helps me. I mean, there's no way I'm going to keep doing the work I'm doing, holding space for my own grief and other people's grief as an example, if I don't start meditating more, you, you know, like doing yoga yeah. and keeping up my swimming, you know, practice. And, and I can see it clearly. It's like, I, 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 I'll fall apart if I don't truly, that's part of how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate finding out more about your practice, Nick. I really didn't know that. Um, huh. and, uh, I, I'm curious about that particular exercise too, in, in the way I'm curious about meditation and my own need to slow down. So thanks for sharing. I'm so glad we had this, this chance to learn more about each other. Yeah. Now go get your kids. Go get them. I'll, uh, I'll close up shop. Do, okay, go ahead. Do it. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> We're in your ears and the ears are tears for fears. Get some beers for your ears. Cheers. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, <laughs> everybody.